0: Good evening, Crypt Keepers, and welcome to a special episode of Cryptique. I'm joined, as always, by everyone's favorite intergalactic altar boy, Ryan. Hey, What's I'll
1: that? take that. <laughs> Not a whole lot, man. Just, as always, with guest interested to see where the conversation takes us.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm glad that uh, we got to, got a chance to sit down with Mr. Mylor. Um well, I guess we should just jump into it. You want to tell them what they need to know real quick?
1: Yeah. The best way to help us fight the algorithm is to interact with the podcast through your platform of choice, uh, to share us with somebody who you think will like the show or somebody who you think will be persuaded by one of our oddball theories. All those things are a good way to help us grow. You can also get in touch with us and tell us what you want to hear about or suggest new topics at at crypticpodcast.gmail.com. You can check out what we're selling at Store.com, and you can help us keep the servers on at buymeacoffee.com slash crypteekpi.
0: All right, and that's enough of the business. Tonight, Cryptique is happy to welcome John Mylor. John Mylor is an author of several books of varying genres with outstanding reviews from Circus, U.S. Review of Books, Pacific Book Reviews, Reader's Favorite, Goodreads, and of course, The Evil. Amazon. He's also been a guest on numerous programs like the Art Bell Show, Coast to Coast AM, the X-Zone Radio TV Show, Midnight in the Desert, and tonight will hopefully be the first of many appearances on Cryptique. Mylor's not a typical Christian. He's not afraid to thoroughly investigate topics that many Christians shy away from. His interest in paranormal phenomenon spans three decades as he pioneered the emerging field of Christian ufology. So Cryptique is proud to welcome John Mylor to the show. John, how are you doing tonight?
2: Doing fantastic. Uh, thank you for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm, I'm glad we could get this worked out because you've got a really important message that, that needs to be shared, and, and I'm happy that you chose to come on to share that message. Thank you tell our listeners where they can find you to start off with, because this is going to be an audio podcast as well. So if you guys are listening to the audio podcast, you'll probably want to jump onto his website and kind of follow along. So where can they find you?
2: Okay. Uh, my name on here is, is my website, uh, johnmiler.com. Um, that's one of my webs, that's my author website. So all my books are there. I got 13 out so far. Wow. Uh, but, um, I I also have a couple of landing pages for some of my books like christianufology.net and mm-hmm. uh thestrongdelusion.net um so those are those are books in the genre that we're going to be talking about here uh, okay. I don't just write paranormal I I write all kinds of things uh but uh uh those two books um it should be pretty easy to find uh net and um uh, yeah, thestrongdelusion.net. And I just wanted to let you
0: know, we can jump around to anything. I mean, I, I specifically wanted to cover at least, you know, some ufology and in, in Christianity. But if you feel like you want to jump off onto something else, you have free reign to go wherever you'd like. So, OK, cool. All right. Well, can you tell us a little bit about your background and what turned you on to this?
2: OK, so. um since I was a toddler, I've always had this inclination that there was more to this reality mm-hmm. than meets the eye. And, you know, I, I guess I get some of that from my sister and, and, um, but, uh, I, I always used to ask all these questions. I, I would hound my mom with questions. <laughs> um, we watched Star Trek and I'd be like, is there really, you know, is it really like that out there? My mom would be like, oh, I don't know, maybe. And, uh, I couldn't imagine you not being you know the cosmos is too vast, sure, yeah and um, and then I'd seen things when I was a kid too, um literally saw demons in my room when I was five uh that was terrifying, so do you think they were demons or possibly aliens? Those were demons, okay, they were about maybe foot two feet to three feet long semi transparent um looked like. A stereotypical ghost, like a person wearing a sheet. Mm. Uh, they were black and semi-transparent, and there was a swarm of them, like 30 or 40 of them in oh, my room, wow. flying all over the place. And they had these black pits for eyes and a frown for a mouth. Wow. So it, not not the dainty sheet with holes cut in it, you know, these, these things. And it doesn't sound scary, but they emitted fear. Oh, it sounds scary. <laughs> uh, and when I saw them, uh, they paralyzed me. I couldn't move in the bed. My eyes were open, but I couldn't move. And when they saw that, they saw my eyes open, and then they started swarming into my face like this, and like wow. getting up into my face. Swarms of these. How things. old did you say and, you were? Uh, I was five. Oh my! God. I remember the house that I lived in there. Whew. Um, my brother sleeping in the room on the other side of the room. I tried to call out to him to wake him up, but I couldn't um all i could- all that would come out was a whisper and I was, ah. mm-hmm. so I was paralyzed and i and I couldn't even scream for help <sighs> and uh so the most I could do was just close my eyes about every fifteen minutes. I'd open my eyes, and as soon as I did, they were there, and they'd swarm up in my face again, and I was awake all night. I bet. Uh, until the first light of dawn came into the room, and then they went away, so I do remember that uh, that was terrifying uh but I also had exposure to the other side of the you know spiritual spectrum, the good side mm-hmm. uh, of course, being saved uh at least twenty times uh from life threatening things that probably should have killed me
0: mm-hmm.
2: uh but I survived um miraculous many times i've almost died um but my great-grandmother um there's there's a uh, what do you call it um history in my family uh my great-grandfather was a preacher Mm -hmm. and during the um, during the the great depression they traveled all over the united states i think they went to 40 of the 48 of the 50 states and um so all during the Great Depression they lived off this out of the car basically, eating potatoes outside of the road for weeks at a time. My grandmother wow. told me about it and so that was during the Great Revival. Uh so there were these big tent meetings and stuff, and mm-hmm. he would go to these, right? So they devoted their lives to ministry, traveling the country. And uh when they were older, um, you know, they they were in their retirement years and um I would stay over there periodically and so grandma had these encounters that she would talk about that um she literally saw jesus manifest before um she had a stroke i believe she was in her 50s when that happened and she went to the hospital and like her face was all sagging and she couldn't move she couldn't speak and uh she was there in the hospital and she said jesus came into her room smiled at her and then turned around and walked out and she was healed. The paralysis just disappeared. That's awesome. Uh, Listen, I pull out the IV and say, I'm ready to go now. You know, and the doctors are like, what? (laughs) 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 What happened? And she'd be very casual about it. You know, I saw Jesus. He came into my room and he healed me. And, you know, who's to argue? Yeah, Uh, right. It it was miraculous uh, what happened to her. Uh, so she had these stories, and you can expect that from the wife of a minister.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: But I remember when I was five years old, so I I, I remember my childhood really clear. And uh, I was there at her house one evening, and I think it was near Christmas because there were a lot of family members that showed up, mm-hmm. maybe exchanging gifts or something like that. Because, like my my uncle, his wife, and. Uh, my dad was there, my mom was there, which is unusual because they're both divorced back then. Mm-hmm. They're both there, you know, all the family's there. Um, all these people were talking and stuff in the living room. And grandma's just kind of sitting there on the couch reading a newspaper. And then she makes an announcement <laughs> and she's like, okay, everybody, I want everybody to be quiet. I have something important to say. And then she starts reading this article in the newspaper back then. This is 1975. So, This was right before the movie Close Encounters of the Third Kind came out. Mm -hmm. And what she described sounded like that script from that movie. There was a UFO in the outskirts of Madeira, and the cops were chasing it around. Mm -hmm. It was this wild goose chase, and there were these people. A lot of people saw it, and it made the newspaper. Mm -hmm. So she was reading this whole account, and then when she finished it, she dropped the newspaper, and she said, when I was a little girl, I saw a UFO. Wow. And everybody's just kind of quiet, and I'm kind of tripping. I'm like, <laughs> you know, what's going on, you know? Uh, and then she decided she told a story that she and her sister, during the turn of the century, could have been like 1910, 1911, something like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, they're out in the plains of Kentucky, and in her childhood, she hadn't even seen a car yet. So they lived out in the sticks, <laughs> out of the middle of nowhere. Um, didn't know you know never seen a motorized vehicle or anything but she and her sister were walking home one day on the plains of kentucky and they seen this thing zip by right in front of them maybe 30 40 feet away 30 feet above the ground and it was a cigar shaped looking ufo about the size of a vehicle maybe a little bigger um she said it was the cylinder looking thing it was like made out of seamless aluminum they'd never seen anything made out of aluminum like that. So Mm -hmm. it was just amazing, Yeah, you know? They didn't even have a frame of reference for describing it. Like this shiny thing, you know? That adds
0: credibility though, when, you know, they they haven't seen anything like it, so they describe it It's like, it adds credibility
2: for sure. Yeah. So they saw this and she said it had a glass bubble on top and they were so close, they saw the guy inside turned his head, and he looked at him as he cruised by. Wow. It's like casual, you know? And uh, she and her sister were like blown away, like, what was that? And it went to these bluffs, and when it went over the bluffs, she said it shot up in the sky it disappeared at like lightning speed. And uh, so they ran home, and they told their mom about it, and she told them, don't ever tell anybody that story ever again.
0: Hmm.
2: And swore them to secrecy you know just like just told them don't ever tell anybody and i i guess maybe she was she thought that that uh people wouldn't believe them or you know concerned about the family reputation i i don't know what it was but um so they did they listened to her they kept it to themselves that was their story and then her sister died a couple of years later mm-hmm. so she said her sister died when she was a teenager and that was the first time i even heard that yeah, uh, I didn't know she had a sister. Yeah. Um so she basically kept that to herself for I don't know, 65 years or something. And when she read that article, it just all that came back and she's like, okay, enough's enough. I got to get this off my chest. <laughs> and um so she told everybody and then nobody really asked any questions. I mean, I just wish I could go back in time and ask more questions, you know, like, was it a human? Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't well, even ask that, you know, uh, was he, did he, was he bald? Uh, what, did it look like a regular humanoid, uh, person? Uh, what, what were his eyes like, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, I, I did, I missed that opportunity, but I, I do remember that story. And at five years old, it was formative because I'm like, okay, Star Trek is There's more to meets the eye there, you know? And, uh, so years later when I was in the Army, uh, that story and then like many other things that happened to me throughout my life, uh, I got really into paranormal stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started with research. My mom just saw how interested I was, especially after that. I'm asking about UFOs and stuff, you know, and uh, I was bugging her all the time about this stuff, right? So she bought this encyclopedia set uh, from Reader's Digest about uh, mysteries of the unexplained. Mm-hmm. This, this, whole encyclopedia set. Right. And one would come every month. I read those things, man. I, I basically absorbed them. Cause mm-hmm. it was fascinating stories, you know, uh, retro recognition, psychonetic powers, you know, Yuri Gellers in there, all, all this stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. And so by the time I was like 15, 16, I was like Fox Mulder. I, I could just quote <laughs> stuff. You know? I see something unusual. I'll give you five things that it might be, you know, um, and I, I had this tendency to collect ghost stories. You know, I'd make a new friend or whatever, and I'd try to gauge it not very accurately half the time <laughs> and at, try to pry an unusual story out of somebody, you know. And uh, so when I was in the Army, that that totally backfired on me. Uh, we, went on <laughs> <a> land, <laughs> we went on a land navigation. Uh, this was the first week there at, at Fort Ord, which is shut down now. And, uh, I'm with this group of guys and we had to spend a couple of hours doing land navigation and finding these targets and stuff. And, uh, my team leader, he knew where all the targets were and he knew the codes on the signs and all the targets. So he's like, yeah, let's just go chill, chill out, find a spot, chill out under the tree or something. And, uh, I'll just fill out all the paperwork. We just relax for a couple hours. Nice. And I, you know, I'm E1. I'm I'm not going to argue with the guy, you know, of course. So uh, (laughs) I probably would have preferred to walk around than just sit, you know. Um, So anyway, we're sitting there, and I'm like, well, we're in the country. Everybody's sitting in a circle. We don't have a fire, but it's almost like a camping trip. And the only thing we're missing is a fire and a ghost story. Uh, So I popped off with this question out of the blue. I said, Corporal Stanger, you ever seen a ghost? guy about jumped out of his skin thought i saw one or something <laughs> everybody started laughing and everything you know and they're like what kyle kind of, kind of question is that i'm like well is this like a camping trip you know <laughs> and they were laughing so hard that they put this label on me and i never got out from under it we were a cohort unit and they 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 labeled me as a weirdo um and nicknames uh, associated with being just a weirdo for the next three years and I, it was terrible Um,
0: It's a badge of honor now.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny because in the second year in the Army, they had a Panamanian conflict in in 1990, and I was deployed to that to uh, Operation Nimrod Dancer and Just Cause. And uh, they had us moving around the country, different places, and um, we ended up at Fort Sherman, which is like sort of in the middle of the jungle. Uh, Just totally thick, deep jungle all around this base and uh they even had their own zoo uh with uh all these pythons and quatum quantum and uh they had panthers you know Mm -hmm. like they used the zoo as a training ground for the for the troops because we had to do land navigation there which was a joke you can't do land navigation in panama (laughs) (laughs) you just you just can't you know there's places you just can't walk um we tried to do a little bit of it and were sections of the jungle where like you're looking at you know quarter acre of thick ants like Uh. an inch thick a carpet of ants and the ground is moving you're not walking on that no thanks you know you're just not going to walk there um thick thick vines everywhere you step in anything you might get bit by a snake they did have people chased by bushmaster snakes, which are deadly. So yeah. <sighs> this jungle's deadly, right? But they had us going out there, and we had to do guard duty out in the jungle, and this incredibly inhospitable place. And I'm getting eaten alive by bugs and uh, plants stinging you, and the bugs <laughs> biting you. This place just sucked, and, and it's raining too all the time, all the time. So it's about midnight. And uh, they had this stuff called sheet lightning. And it's like where there's just sort of a haze in the sky. Hmm. It's not really clouds, but kind of, kind of cloud. And lightning would kind of go in these sheets across the sky, you know, and it would just kind of flicker, almost like a luminescent light bulb trying to turn on or something. Mm -hmm. So there was, they call it sheet lightning, you know, and uh, that was going on. So I wasn't really paying attention, but then I, I did notice uh there was a bright it was getting brighter and off in the distance ahead of me. And uh this this was a light source that was down in the jungle. And I'm like, what what is that? Yeah. Uh, it's getting near the end of my shift, but I'm I'm getting kind of curious now. Yeah. Um and uh I finally saw it and it was this thing that would flash just and it was the size of a soccer ball pure ball of energy, like whitish, bluish electric electricity, mm-hmm. uh, pure ball of light, and it looked as bright as a camera flash. This thing was about maybe three, four hundred yards out down under the trees, mm-hmm. and it was moving in our direction. And it would flash about every 30 seconds or so, and then go off. And it was getting closer. It, went, it was coming straight for us. And I'm I'm curious. I'm like, what the hell is that? <laughs> I mean, that's a ball of light. And uh, I'm going through my list, you know, it's not ball lightning. Uh, I don't think it's ball lightning. Ball lightning doesn't flash on and off. Ball lightning zips around until it hits something and diffuses. Mm-hmm. And it's generally not the size of a soccer ball. Um, and it's not swamp gas. It, this thing was brilliant extremely bright it wasn't this hazy greenish glowy whatever sure uh this was a ball of light very defined Mm -hmm. and a lot of power and um so i exhausted my checklist you know and i'm like well i did find something else later on that it probably is but um or something from lore that i think it might be might have been all right anyway this thing came right up to us to our position and it was about 30 feet away and when it reached us it stopped and it kept flashing in the same spot mm-hmm. like it was checking us out yeah, sure and uh uh right before it got to us i go and i wake up corporal stinger the same guy that, that <laughs> had been tearing me up for uh you know for the past year and a half you know making my life miserable sure. making fun of me uh go do some push-ups. elevate your feet on that wall, you know? So I'd be doing ridiculous stuff all the time just to appease him. <laughs> and uh, here he is, you know, the guy that antagonizes me for believing in things that I can't prove. And here we are, you know, this is not in a biology textbook,
0: mm-hmm.
2: whatever this is. And so I wake him up, <laughs> I tell him, cheer it's your, it's your shift, by the way, there's this glowing ball of light coming our way. Um, I don't know <laughs> what it is. It doesn't look like it's from this world, uh, but I got to go to bed. I'm tired. So I turn <laughs> around to bed, you know, just kind of blowing it off. And he's like, wait a minute, you know, and I turn around. I'm like, what? And he's like, oh, F you, blah, blah, blah. And he, he starts cussing me out because he thinks that I pulled a fast one on him. Sure. Because right? it was kind of creepy out there, right? Um, but uh, But then as he's unloading on me, it flashes again. And I said, (laughs) by the way, did you see that? That was it. And it's coming our way. And that's when he just kind of shut up and he was watching, waiting for it again. And then it flashed again. And sure enough, there it was. And he saw it clear as day too. So I said, okay. And then it came up and then it just stopped and it kept flashing in the same spot. And I'm like, well, this thing's wanting to communicate. This is acting intelligent. Mm -hmm. This isn't just... This isn't just a nature ball lightning. Ball lightning doesn't want to stop and check you out.
0: Yeah. Um,
2: And then I pointed out the fact, I said, look, I got an M60 right here with 750 rounds of ammunition. This is a lot of metal. And if that was ball lightning, it would have been attracted to this. And I also had a radio with a six-foot antenna and a backpack full of lithium batteries. All electrical type stuff that lightning should have been attracted to. Mm-hmm. This was not going for the, any of that. It was just staying in the tree, right there, just flashing on and off. And uh, I'm pointing all this out, and, and he's trying to argue with me. He's like, "Well, maybe it's a laser that they're, you know, using from the aircraft carrier in the Gulf." And I'm like, <laughs> "Lasers don't move around in the trees. Laser need a." pure line of sight. Does this look like a pure line of sight around you? Right. Uh, laser's not a free floating ball of light. Um, this is acting like either it's alive or it's some kind of probe or something. Mm-hmm. And uh, my gut was telling me I thought it was alive. It was uh, clearly an intelligence behind it. Um, so I couldn't, I couldn't take it anymore and I, I finally just told them, you know, I'm going to communicate with it. Uh, this is Star Trek moment, you know. This is first <laughs> contact. Who would pass up that opportunity right, to communicate yeah. with this otherworldly being? And uh, I, I was totally not afraid because I'm like, dude, look at the power that thing's emitting. It t- I think it could have killed me easy. Sure, but it's not, even though I'm wearing an M60, loaded to the hilt, you know. But it's holding fast. And I think it's observing us and seeing what we're going to do. So I disarmed myself. I took the M60 off and I'm like, and he's telling me to stop and to stop. And I'm just blowing it off, totally disobeying a direct order right there. Wow. I'm like, you know what? You you go ahead and and tell me to cower over here in fear. That's fine, but I'm not going to pass this opportunity up. I'd rather get in trouble. So I just totally ignored him. He was too scared to do anything about it, <laughs> and uh, and I kind of walked out into the clearest area there. There was a trail. We were off the side of this trail that went into the jungle, and uh, I just cleared my mind and I looked and uh, where I saw it, and I said, "Look, I don't know who you are, or what you are, but uh, you know you're interesting to me, and uh, uh, I just want to let you know my intentions are peaceful. I don't mean you any harm." I'm here in peace. I'm just introducing myself. I'm so and so, you know. Mm-hmm. Just had a little casual conversation. I said, "Could you please reveal yourself to me, or let me know, you know, um, who you are, mm-hmm. or what, what you want?" And uh, I let a few seconds pass as I'm waiting for a response, and then it didn't flash, and it's customary thirty seconds mm-hmm. process.
1: Was going to be a question: Was is it doing it in a certain rhythm?
2: Yeah, and the then Corporal Singer was like. <laughs> Corporal Singh was like, oh, crap, now you did it, you know? <laughs> and um, suddenly I felt this incredibly overpowering sensation just totally engulf my body. And it's that feeling of being watched, amplified by like a million. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This thing was alive, and it was emitting its presence. And I can't even explain explain it. it, it not a normal language, mm-hmm. but it was basically just saying I'm here. I am alive. And it let me know where it was located because I felt it moving toward me, even though I couldn't see it. And I started backing up and I said, Oh crap, it's moving toward me. It's moving toward me. I know it. I could feel it. I took a couple of steps back. Cause I'm like freaking out. Mm-hmm. Like, what's this thing going to do? Is it going to hit me? Is it going to kill me? And, uh, I had some s 7 night vision goggles on. So I'm lifting them up, and I'm looking. I'm not seeing squat, even with night vision. And uh, But I'm following, and I said, I could feel it moving.
1: Hmm.
2: And I'm moving around. I do a complete 180. And I said, the next time it's going to flash, it's going to flash right there. And the second I said the word there, and pointed my finger it flashed exactly where i pointed wow like 30 feet behind me so it it made me do a circle it i felt it go right over the top of my head Uh. you know my hair was probably standing up. (laughs) man i just i got so excited and i was telling the corporal like dude did you see that it said it it flashed when i said there like it even kind of understands what i'm saying it knew that you know it transmitted where it was located to me and i don't even know how it did that did you see that you just witnessed that and i'm just going on and on you know and uh he's just not talking he was catatonic (laughs) and um i kept talking to it so that was the that was honestly the extent of it it didn't turn into a humanoid form it didn't take me to another planet no grandiose things like that it basically just did enough let me know that this thing was alive it was curious about me it could have killed me but didn't and it proceeded to flash on and off and it did a complete 360 perimeter scan of our area like it was it wanted to see every angle of our position where we were at and then it proceeded to flash away and go off down the road and it did the same thing we had two other positions out in the jungle and it reached them and it did circle around each one of them huh. uh, i found that out the next day um so the next day nobody was talking about this thing uh and i you know i'm bugging the corporal about it. i'm like dude how can you not talk about what happened last night i mean that's more than an elephant in the room yeah yeah and uh there were other people there so i brought it up when the other people were there and i'm like did you see it Winder? And uh, He's like, yeah, I saw it. I think that was a, I think that was maybe a lightning bug or something. I'm like, a (laughs) lightning bug? Come on, man. That was the size of a soccer ball. Are you freaking kidding me? And uh, they're laughing and stuff. And then uh, the corporal says, Myler, I think you summoned it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That
2: was a joke, right? And they all start laughing and it's like, yeah, he's all casting spells and stuff. I'm like you idiots i mean don't you realize what we just experienced i mean this is not known to exist yeah so
0: you would think at the at the very like least they would be concerned like is this some sort of like enemy technology or something like that but yeah and we'll find out a little bit more about that after a quick break Welcome back, Crypt Keepers.
2: Something. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, I just just wanted to make fun of me. And, um, of course, that fired me up even more. So um, I got into all kinds of stuff back then. So researching wasn't enough. Um, <laughs> uh, you'll see in my first book, Aliens in the Bible, it, the, the full subtitle is a... Uh, a Biblical Explanation of Supernatural Entities, Realms of Existence, and Phenomenon. So three categories mm-hmm. of paranormal-type things. And I cover all kinds of stuff in that uh, based on research that I knew combined with personal encounters, stories that I'd gathered over the years, uh, Bigfoot stories, you know, Love all it. of these things, right? And uh, – but some of that book – was made from my personal experimentation and in, in things that I shouldn't have been messing with. You know, I did ghost hunting and, um, I've been there. I mess, I mess with Ouija boards, got my house like crazy haunted and uh, we had to exercise it and call the church in twice just to get, get it clean. Um, yeah, just a lot of, a lot of things that I, I messed with. Um, and Over the years, you know, I, like, way dial back, and then, of course, when I was 21, I had this fantastic, like, encounter with Jesus that um, He came to me in a dream. So I could tell you how many times, you know, pop into a church here and there, you know, and I would have said I was a Christian, um, but I didn't even know what the Trinity was, you know, really basic fundamental things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And the way I was living my life was my own version, you know. It's like I'll just pick and choose, you know, the parts that I like and dismiss the stuff that looks a little difficult. So I, you know, I'll pass on that, you know, drugs and all that. You know, I'll just do whatever. I was a party animal. And, uh, but uh, when Jesus showed me, he he showed up in a dream and um, I had this dream. He was invisible in the dream and he did all this stuff kind of like showing me where I was at and what was coming my way if I didn't change. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's sort of like if you're 21 now I'm going to give you one shot at this. You're each the age of accountability, you know, between right and wrong now. And if you don't change, if you don't change your ways and what you're doing, you're going to have some serious consequences coming your way. And the context of the dream kind of showed me it's either going to be jail or death. Mm-hmm. Um, gruesome death at that. And uh, I was kind of consorting with some dangerous people to try to get get my fix here and there. Mm-hmm. So um, that was not a good thing. Uh, so I woke up from the dream and I start recounting it and I got all the way to the part where I saw this invisible person moving things around, but I couldn't see the person. And a friend of mine who was with me in the dream, I'm like, get a load of this. Uh, the guy's invisible. Um, the one who's, he was flying a helicopter. I was in this helicopter and uh, it landed and took me out of this drug compound where all this, all these dangerous guys and stuff around. And, um, and we were flying and then he started doing all these crazy stunts, did a flip around some power lines, flew, <laughs> flew through a tunnel, was just freaking us out thinking we were going to blow up any second. Came out the other side of this tunnel with a train and then did a flip around some power lines again, and then went back up into the sky and was all relaxed. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> uh, and I look up and then I see an indentation in the seat and I see the controls moving, but the pilot's invisible. And I said to my friend, the pilot's invisible. That's weird. And, uh but it was this beautiful, big wing, uh, plains of wheat and the sun was just rising up and the horizon is beautiful sunrise, golden rays of light. And it was just so peaceful. And like all of the burden, all all of that weight that I was carrying at that time in my life, which kind of oblivious to how heavy it was. Mm -hmm. I didn't even realize it, you know, go for months at a time. And I, I, my brain was so fogged up from drugs and drinking all the time that I had very, few moments of clarity Mm -hmm. but in the dream everything was so crystal clear and i'm like wow i love this i love being clear Mm -hmm. and he came back and he landed in the same place he took me and the door opened and i heard his voice in my head say get out so me and my friend got out and then my the voice said to my friend you get back in so he got back in door shut flew away. And then I looked around and this this cartel compound I was in, all these people were dead. I mean, there was a firefight right after he took us out of there and all these dead bodies everywhere, guts, blood, everything. And I'm like, wow. whoa. And the gate to the compound was open. So I just sort of trepidatiously walked <laughs> toward it and walked out and left. And then I woke up feeling lighter than air, you know, like, wow and uh so i just started thinking about the dream when i woke up i didn't recall the whole thing right away and then sure but then i started going it finally came back to me like oh yeah that was a helicopter ride and uh i got to the part where the pilot was invisible i'm like oh yeah that was weird who was that pilot and when i voiced that question i got an answer jesus in my ear audible wow and to this day I don't even know if that was him sort of taking over taking me over and then me speaking or me just hearing his name but it felt like his ear was right here against my ear close enough to feel the whiskers on my ear. <laughs> and when he said his name it shot through me like more than just saying a person's name everything with his name came with it. Mm-hmm. The the recognition of his authority mm-hmm. of who he really is. Which I didn't didn't understand before. Uh, I didn't see Jesus as God. I didn't know Colossians like one twenty. You know, there's so many scriptures. John chapter one. You know, um, um, in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. Right. and The Word became flesh. You know. I mean, there's all these scriptures that talk about how Jesus is the Creator. I didn't know that, but here, the Creator of all things was in my room. And he answered my question. And uh, I have a feeling my grandmother, my great grandparents died. And my great grandmother died just the year before. And I feel like that they kept interceding for me, Mm -hmm. you know, in my lost state. They probably had an inkling of the condition I was in. Sure. And uh, kept interceding for me and um, finally broke through to me. And Jesus decided to come and visit me. <laughs>
0: that's awesome
2: and uh, i I just I quit everything that day. I mean, I just quit, didn't drink anything anymore, just dropped all the drugs and just and didn't even feel the slightest hint of addiction. Wow so i was I was totally relieved of all of that. It was more like, look, this is a gift. I'm going to give this one to you. It's a freebie. Mm-hmm. If you don't pick it up again, you take advantage of this opportunity while you got it, then you won't even have the desire for it. And I actually kind of got addicted to clarity at that mm-hmm. point. And, and I was like, wow. I mean, I was in college at that time going through all these courses and stuff. And I'm like, how in the world was I passing? <laughs> uh, <laughs> So how much better am I going to be now? And how much smarter would I be if I, I didn't kill so many brain cells? But, <laughs> uh, so that totally changed everything. And, um, I still had all this paranormal stuff. So I'm like, do I throw all of that out? You know, I'm like throwing stuff out left and right. And people are all telling me, oh, that, that's a cult, you know? So some things I I threw out, Sure. you know, um, uh, uh but there were a lot of books and stuff. I threw some out. Others, I'm kind of like, mm, I don't know. It's it's information. I mean, Daniel, he apparently probably knew a lot of stuff about the Chaldean stuff. You know, Moses being trained by the, you know, taught by the Egyptians probably knew a lot of occult type stuff. Sure. Too. Did it corrupt him or did God redeem everything that he learned? Uh, throw out the bad. Maybe they were right on a few odds and ends, you know. Apparently, Egypt created arcs. For example, mm-hmm. so maybe some of that was sort of right, but a twisted version of it, and it was inaccurate. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, God gave him the real version. So, anyway, I'm like, what do I do? You know, uh, God came to me and showed me who He was. So, okay, let's make a checklist. People who believe in Jesus, they probably go to church. I got to start going to church every Sunday. Where I don't know. I got to go to church. I I I got to read the Bible. I got to start praying. Uh, (laughs) Baptize, baptize. You know, I'm making this checklist. You know, and uh, uh, so I'm like, I got a Bible around here somewhere. Most everybody does somewhere, Mm -hmm. and uh, I hunt around and I find one. I start reading it, and you know, just a couple chapters in Genesis chapter six, I'm reading about these giants, the sons of God intermarried with the daughters of men and begat giants. And instantly, you know, my education was, you know, academic on the one hand, you know, and I'm looking at science and all of that stuff. And I always had that kind of way of thinking scientifically and, and rationally and analyzing things. And that's sort of what the paranormal does, uh, that kind of research, mm-hmm. uh, meticulous. Uh, but at the same time, I had, I was like, just had this encounter with the Lord, so I knew he was real. So I'm ready to ditch everything Mm -hmm. and just accept what God says in the Bible. But I'm reading paranormal things in the Bible, and I'm like, wait, I've never looked at it this way before. Sure, Um, These giants, six fingers, six toes, genetic anomalies, um, they were... Literally physically larger, way larger than a normal human being, so they're genetic freaks of nature mm-hmm. um, they were the a hybrid species they were not the sons of Cain marrying you know the the sons of Seth mm-hmm. producing genetic anomalies that why would that happen right um and it literally says the sons of God, and it says later on in Job, sons of God, you know the Benaiah Elohim in in Hebrew, you could look it up, Greek's enhanced lexicon, same word. Uh, Satan was among them. These were the watchers. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, so I'm like reading this stuff in the Bible and without realizing it, I'm writing all these notes on the side and starting to compile all these notes about all this paranormal stuff I'm seeing. And I'm like, this is not how a normal Christian Sees the Bible. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> uh, so, but, uh, and, and that's why I started doing it. Cause I'm like, you know, I would probably would have been a lot more interested in the Bible and the word. And, you know, if I'd have seen something like that, I've been sure. like, okay, tell me more. Um I knew about the antichrist, for example, it's just creepy, you know, thing and in prophecy, you know, this is kind of like spiritual craziness going on. So those things are kind of like, I'm curious to know it. Terrified at the same time, but curious to know. Um, plus my stepdad used to torment me about the mark of the beast and all of that stuff, you know. Yeah, he used to tell me that um when I was a teenager, he'd be like, Yeah, man, when that mark comes, yeah, they're gonna put that on your hand. You're gonna go into the store to buy something. And before you know it, laser's gonna burn that in the back of your hand, and you won't even know it. Hmm. And I'm like, <laughs> I am all scared. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna take that stupid mark of the beast. Hell no he'd be like, yes, you can. And I'm like, well, if they burn it in my hand, then I'll, I'll cut it off of my hand. He's like, you won't be able to. It'll be infused into your DNA. It'll just grow back.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I'm like, well, no. You know, So he would kind of like pester me because he wanted to see if I would say that I'd chop off my hand, you know, because of the gouge out your arm, right, chop right. off your hand. You know? And just tormenting me all the time like that. So the Antichrist always kind of bugged me. And that was kind of in the back of my head. And. As soon as I saw this stuff about these Nephilim, and you know, oh, wait, what if this is aliens and this is the whole alien abduction phenomenon going back then? And, but those things were demons.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
2: the, the word so here's another interesting thing the word demon is uh, means shades and spirits. Uh, demon is, is the uh, Greek word, um, the same Hebrew word translates as giant. Mm-hmm. Raphaim is both giant and shades and spirits that tells you what demons are demons are the ghosts of the nephilim they're ghosts of of the nephilim they're not the same thing as fallen angels the fallen angels are physical physically alive beings the part that's confusing is the physicality part Mm -hmm. so put on your quantum physics hat they have physic they have physical bodies they have physical bodies. They can physically reproduce. A demon cannot. Mm-hmm. A demon doesn't have a body. A demon's looking for a host to possess. Right. A fallen angel is capable of possessing somebody because, like Satan can, if, you know, because he can move, he could vary the frequency of his flesh and, like, walk through walls and pop in and out of this dimension and go to a higher dimension and, who knows, maybe parallel universes and stuff, just mm-hmm. by altering the f- the resonant frequency of his molecular structure or whatever. But they have bodies. Mm-hmm. They don't need a host. They would only possess somebody just to manipulate or control somebody, but they're not bound to that. They're not seeking for a host just to have an influence in this world. <sighs> a demon is. Mm-hmm. So that's why Jesus, mixed in with all of his healing, was going around casting demons out left and right. And over here in the Western world, we got way far away from that. And uh, there's a stigma behind that. But honestly, I think we got a serious problem with demonic possession or influence. People that are being manipulated, their brain is getting scrambled, and and they're doing all kinds of things, and they're getting all confused and stuff. And that's why we got a huge sin issue in this country. There's a lot of demonic manipulation and probably outright possession in some cases. But anyway... um, there's these demons, right? And I'm reading about them, and I'm like, okay, that's the origin of the demons. And these angels mated not with just humans, but when you look in Greek mythology and all these other mythologies, the angels were shapeshifters. They could take the shape of an animal and then mate with an animal. Mm. And the, the genetic stuff that would come out of that, they like could do things with their genetics and make these creatures that were like hybrid all kinds of hybrid creatures so sure. you see all these 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 uh depictions of demons why do you think a lot of them have horns a lot of them are these weird animal hybrid mixes you know uh, uh a bull
1: mm-hmm.
2: a bull head and a human body that's Bayal. you know uh, a bu- human body on a, a bull head on a human body you probably really existed uh set dog head human body mm-hmm. uh others you know eagle head lion body you know right so they would they you know, those are like third and fourth generation nephilim where they were mating with crossing other species and stuff and doing all kind of crazy things with genetics and who knows they, some of it could be laboratory chimera type stuff sure. but, uh, other things it could be just them Doing what they did because they were pretty twisted yeah uh bestiality no big deal for them you know uh they would have been the ones to do that Mm -hmm. and uh, it talks about that in the book of jasher talks about that in uh in um the book of enoch about how you also had all these animals so all this these things it just opened up my world the bible is like a code book to the paranormal because it just shows you explains the backstory Mm -hmm. right We've got this whole category of transdimensional beings, right? Um, Bigfoot. People can't find Bigfoot. Okay, you see these animals out here? Elephant's kind of rare. You don't have a problem finding an elephant. You don't have a problem finding a whale in the depths of the ocean. But a, a 12-foot gorilla? You can't find that. <laughs> so no wonder people can't believe it. But you know what? Those things can be standing freaking right next to you, and you wouldn't see them. Uh, I had a friend, this is a crazy Bigfoot story, that this Bigfoot was tormenting my, my friend and his three buddies that were dropped off by their dad on a camping trip, <laughs> and they went hunting, right? They shot a buck. The Bigfoot stole their buck, stepped out of the woods in a clearing. The guy was watching it through the scope of his rifle. It grabbed a 12-point horned buck, 12-point, threw it over his shoulder with one arm, it's so like 750 pounds, just yeah. second me. Stepped out, and disappeared. Mm-hmm. His friends, his three friends were only like 10 feet away from it and they did not see it. Mm. It <sighs> vanished. It like just poom, not here. It could pop in and out. And they were smelling it on and off. They they decided, okay, I don't know what the hell that was, maybe a bear or whatever. They weren't like grasping with reality right sure. away. So they decided to hunt it. Oh. <sighs> <laughs> these guys broke up into two teams at first they're walking around they're smelling it it's literally walking around them they could hear the footprints they they say okay on the count of three stop walking and one two three and they stop and they hear like hmm. you know more like thuds right you know and they're looking around you see all this brush and stuff but it's not so clear that you know what's a bigfoot 12 foot bigfoot gonna hide around a tree like that you know How's this thing not being seen? And the smell would come and go. It's like uh probably when it was close to being here, some of those molecules would come off of it because that's a physical molecule that you're getting when you smell something. But then, then it would go away. And uh they came back to their campsite, the thing crawled up into a tree, they had their food and everything in a net, hoisted up at a tree like fifteen feet off the ground, the net was slashed open there were cans of beans. The thing just ripped the can in half and ate, ate the beans. So they found a couple of cans of beans were ripped in half and, uh,
0: decided to not
2: hunt it <laughs> They were freaking out. So well, yeah, they couldn't, the thing was just toying with them all day. So they, uh, uh, decided, okay, you know, we can't get out of here tonight cause they had to wait for the guy to the dad to come pick them up the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, So they were taking shifts throughout the night and kept this bonfire going right this one guy had to take a dump he just had to go real bad right he couldn't hold it anymore he's like what are the odds of this thing showing up right i I just gotta go so he went a ways away from the fire uh you know didn't want to uh stink everybody uh he had his gun it was loaded it was with him set it against a tree dropped his pants and right at the point of the fecal exodus <laughs> <laughs> it's like it was timed it was timed right as it he was at his most vulnerable point this thing is like right in front of him oh it came out of nowhere he he's like how did this thing walk up this close and me not hear it but it was it just stepped right in front of him and it was staring down at him and he was like You know,
0: scared the shit out of him,
2: probably helped him do what he was doing. (laughs) And uh, it reached down, grabbed his rifle, snapped it in half like a twig, slammed both pieces of it down on the ground like it was pissed off, like Mm -hmm. you hunting me in my backyard. Right. I could snap you like a twig, you know, just standing there, snapped his rifle in half. So basically it's saying it it knew what the hell that rifle was and it totally destroyed it and it waited it it was intelligent enough to hang out and wait until the most vulnerable moment to make his point known and uh then he walked away this guy man he was losing it i, I bet. mean uh probably crapped all over himself <laughs> and um made it back to the camp uh, got everybody awake they were all freaking out um, and uh, for the rest of the night nothing else happened so the thing basically was declaring its territory and they never went hunting there again yeah but uh, that shows you how smart these things are and it also lends credibility to a growing movement of people that think that the Bigfoot is possibly got a, a ET connection um, and that maybe they're not Maybe they're part of a trans-dimensional class of beings. Yeah. Right? Like, Ledwinda La- is another one. Um, my wife's in El Salvador, they got all kinds of things there. Um, she got a whole collection of stories. Her family, her mom saw this thing called the Chicken Foot Lady. Mm. Is this beautiful yeah. woman, but has legs that kind of change into a chicken, and it's got these big chicken feet. And she has power. Uh, she can just look at a guy, and they go into a trance. and. Uh, her uncle was slashed on the cheek by this thing. Um, it it was standing next to their back door, and he was going into the house, and he saw it, and then she, it's like a vampire trance, right? It's like, ah. And he started walking toward her, and then the last second he snapped out of it, and she slashed out at him and cut mm-hmm. his cheek, and then he, he ran into the house. So, you know, there's there's things like that all over the world. Um, Thailand. Holy cow. Everybody I've ever known from Thailand, they have their stories. Um, uh, I I know this uh, lady that said that her brother was almost killed by this big black blob Hmm. in the jungle. And this thing was so powerful that when it got near people, it would just fall over dead. Hmm. And um, they had a name for it. Um, Another friend of mine from Thailand told me about these creatures that... um, Had the torso of a human, but the arms were extra long, the hands were extra long, and they had these really big claws, and the head of a horse. Hmm. And the bottom half of it, like around the knees, went transparent, and they would just kind of like float around the jungle. And if you saw one, and you just stayed quiet, they usually just go by. But if you made a lot of noise, something about making noise pisses them off, and they'll come and kill you. Hmm. And they become physical, and they will attack you and kill you. And he said his brother was attacked by one of these things, and it shredded his jacket, and he barely got away from it. Um, So, you know, that's there's these things all over the place, right? And there's all this this stuff about them. It all goes back to the Nephilim, all of them.
0: So you think that that these uh, entities that we're being seen are demonic or alien mix, or more about that after a quick break.
2: <laughs> Welcome back, Crypt Keepers. Well, see, the, the, the word alien, uh, I put definitions on these, right? Okay. Um, by definition, all angels are aliens, but not all aliens are angels. Okay. So what I mean by that is Jesus gave definition to angels in Luke twenty thirty six. He defined them as, as no longer being reproductive. But here's the key, and here's where a lot of Christians get mixed up. Um, they weren't created as a non-reproductive entity. Okay. I believe angels were created like Adam and Eve.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, they were reproduced after their own kind. Mm-hmm. But then they reach this certain stage of their existence where they metamorphose into a higher state of being, where they're more connected with God. It's like a butterfly, right? We're butterflies. Problem is we send. So we physically die before we get to the translation. The Bible even calls it translation. And we had two people in Scripture that actually translated into that angelic status. So being an angel is like a title to the highest uh, level of being for organisms that are on the highest level of God's creation. Humans are on the highest level of God's creation, but because we sin, we're lower than the angels Mm -hmm. right now, right now. When we translate, then we'll be like the angels, which he says, we will no longer be reproducing. We won't need it it won't be part of our nature anymore we would have the ability to revert to that if we disobeyed god and the watchers the angels that did rebel against god they did revert they rebelled against that own, their own nature that they were translated right mm-hmm. so they were once reproductive and that was the first thing that that i thought like why would why would an angel want to have sex with a person if they didn't if they weren't even male and female because a common misconception is oh all angels are male well that's weird biologically that's weird it doesn't make any sense <laughs> yeah you know who's going to create a, a a half a species come on <laughs> right nothing we have on this planet is like that right. so i i think that that's wrong right and i did research on that and uh and, and then I, i'm like uh asking these questions like well and then it finally occurred to me what if the angels were like adam and eve what if they were created perfect sinless but they were in this sort of pseudo immortal state. Maybe they had to eat from something like the tree alive to stay alive for maybe a thousand years or so. And then they would have translated to this higher nature. Then they don't even need to eat anymore. Scripture even says we're not going to need our stomach mm-hmm. in the future. We'll be able to eat. We'll be able to do a lot of things, fly, walk through walls, who knows what, but um, eating will be optional. <laughs> Won't need to. Uh so, that's a cool thing about it. And so I'm just kind of like reading Scripture, and I'm putting all these things together, you know, about, you know, what's an angel, what's a demon. Uh, fallen angel is not the same thing as a demon. Um, then there's other terms in the Bible, the host of heaven. That's not necessarily angels. It just means lots of life out there. Creatures, stars. Other terms that are used synonymous with angels, the stars of God worshipped, you know, the, the, the Job 38 talks about how the morning stars shouted for glory, you know, giving praise to God. And this was before the foundation of the world, right? So it's talking about angels. But stars is directly associated with angels over and over and over again in Scripture. And I, it's obvious. It's on the nose. They're associated with angels because that's where angels come from uh other scriptures that talk about heaven for example another misconception people think of heaven as being outside of time space nope nowhere does it say that in the bible heaven has time and heaven is in the universe we live in a multiverse think quantum physics think frequencies Mm -hmm. angels they they have their bodies are kind of matter it's glorified matter It's a different kind of flesh. The the actual word for strange flesh it's referred to is other flesh, like another kind of flesh. Um, they've even done experiments. This one guy, he died on a scale just to prove that something would leave his body when he died. Mm -hmm. And sure enough, a very couple like a fraction of an ounce, his body instantly became lighter. Some physical matter left his body. Now, what kind of physical matter is that? I would say it's glorified matter, the essence of your spirit. It is a kind of matter, and it's integrated with your body. So that's how, you know, we think of energy. You know, how does a poltergeist move things or whatever? You know, that's matter. Mm -hmm. They are composed of a kind of matter. So the whole idea that people think that, you know, heaven isn't in this universe, and they, they totally have another way of thinking about it that's like, fantasy versus sci-fi and i'm like no it's both put them both together you know the jedi for example just because they have powers doesn't mean they needed technology right they use technology they used them both they put them both together Mm -hmm. the angels do too why does an angel need a chariot people don't ask these questions they they just assume oh angels all-powerful no bible doesn't say that god's all-powerful angels have limits Mm -hmm. but god delegates to angels So you have angels doing all of these things, probably using some powers, especially the more powerful ones. Sure. And then you have some that are, you know, they need technology. The Tree of Life, for example, uh, after Adam and Eve were cast out of it, there was this sword that went back and forth, keeping them from the tree. You think that was an angel? No, that was a force field. And they could go to that tree because there was some kind of technology there preventing them. Hmm. Now, you're thinking Lord of the Rings, you know, uh, oh no, it was a flaming sword flying back and forth. Well, I think it was probably technology. These chariots that the angels are driving around that incidentally are (laughs) saucer-shaped, that that pull people up off the ground into them um, and then fly away to heaven, and heaven's always associated with the sky, hmm. you know, heaven. Uh, there's three heavens. The Bible defines three of them. One is around the outer surface of the earth. The second heaven, which is the most widely used reference, is actually a plural word, shamayim, or anios. And it means the abode of the sun and the moon and the stars. The word is literally used in Genesis 1.14 when it defines heaven for the first time. So, you know, God created the heavens and the earth.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: that's that word genesis 1 1 god created the heavens and the earth god created outer space and all the stars and the sun and the moon and everything and then earth and the highest heaven is called highest heaven Uh, and it's in this universe it's a glorified planet every description of it describes it as a place that has an atmosphere it has clouds it has lightning it has a city Mm -hmm. it's so physical. That the capital there, which is New Jerusalem, will be transported from there to Earth in the future. How can you transport a non-physical city to a physical Earth? It has to be physical. Yeah,
0: you can't.
2: Yeah, but this Earth in the future is going to be glorified. So the atomic frequency or whatever is going to be changed on this planet, and it will become a glorified planet and everything on it will be more glorified to a higher state of glory. And then that's when that city will be transported here so that they will both be married up together in the same physical earth in a higher dimension. All the planets, they're all multidimensional constructs. They're like onions, hmm. uh, lithospheres. Earth is layers of existence. Right. Hell is literally in the heart of the earth, right? Uh, scripture says that it's a smaller planet in a lower dimension. And we're in Middle Earth, literally. I think J.R. Token kind of had an idea on that. And first heaven is the abode of the sky, the higher realm. If you were to translate yourself like an angel can do and go up a couple miles, then you would find yourself on another planet, a larger earth that's glorified. And it would be a civilization just like this one with governmental authorities and stuff. And the Bible even talks about it. It says that the watchers were appointed regents on the earth where they had governmental authority. Michael, according to Jewish literature, mm-hmm. he's over Israel. Uh, in, in Daniel, when Daniel, the book of Daniel, when Daniel's praying to God for revelation, Gabriel comes to earth from from heaven. So you could picture him traveling from capital of heaven, this planet and northern hemisphere. The Bible even describes heaven, the highest heaven in the northern hemisphere of the universe. There's scripture for that. There's two scriptures for that. He comes here through the second heaven. When he gets to earth, he has to penetrate first heaven to get down to middle earth here. Right. And he encounters the Prince of Persia and has to battle with the Prince of Persia, which was a demonic entity at that time. And Michael comes over there and fights, you know, Seal Team Six, Michael, and gets him through. Right? It's just literally that's what I'm picturing in my mind. You know, he had to take a an elite force of battling angels, and those dudes were serious, man. Um, and then and then when he went to go leave, he said, "Oh, it's not over yet. I'm gonna have to fight my way to get out of here. This place is a prison. Uh, they're not gonna let it be easy. Mm-hmm. Michael's gonna, you know, have to help me get out of here." so that was a serious mission and a lot of these uh ufos that we see i mean some of them i think they're breaking some rules that's why they come at mm-hmm. night you know uh there's this really complex ecosystem up there where you have good guys and bad guys uh just like we have here right mm-hmm. you had a hamas go in attack israel and all of that stuff right how in the world they do that and and you got all this stuff going on right and they're fighting it And you, they have these barriers and stuff, right? Uh, we have borders.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And so you have all these incursions and stuff. You have things going on up there too. And some of it will spill over here. Okay. When, when some, I think sometimes when people see things, the, the fabric or the dimensional fabric of our reality kind of breaks down a little bit and some stuff kind of spills over. Mm-hmm. People see stuff.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So uh, another thing is the Bible talks about how what's up there mirrors what's down here. And In God's kingdom, everything is through the churches. Governments are through the churches. And it's what's in our heart that determines the kind of governments we end up with. And that's why Revelation's written seven letters to the churches. He's talking about the angels over these churches. So these are the the powers that are out there. Before a change happens here, it has to happen up there. Hmm. And these angels will have warfare and stuff. So when you see a country changing from psychotic dictator to democracy. There was a battle that happened up there and then it spilled over and filtered down. And we got a little bit more sanity down here. A little bit. And then when you see country, yeah. And then when you <laughs> see countries just, you know, people just throwing away their, their morality and, you know, their ethics and going corrupt and doing all kind of crappy stuff. Uh and it just descending, right? Then the government starts going downhill. That's because God is allowing it. I mean, you could have things like people cheating on elections and stuff and to get away with it, because the people, the way they're acting, the way they're behaving, the things that they're doing, it warrants it. It's like a judgment. Sure. And you see that all over in the Old Testament stuff. But I'm adding this additional layer to that way of thinking by saying, you know what, <laughs> it's, it's not. it's realer than you think i mean mm-hmm. i could like almost i feel like i could see it i mean like i could just literally look up and see these things up there you know and and civilizations and, and actually travel to that place and uh because i know it's that real to me mm-hmm. when i look out in space i know that i'm looking at Shamian, Uh that there's actual worlds out there with life on them and stuff you know that that's heaven that's literally heaven it's not in another dimension not all of it part of it we could literally see with our eyes so that's what's kind of cool about it because it's a lot more realer than you think it's a lot more concrete than most people realize it's not so separate that you know it's outside of our reality outside of time space altogether it's not it's here Hmm. anyway
0: have and this is just a side note have you ever considered uh being like a youth minister or anything like that because I, I my wife's a teacher, and you know we talk about history stuff all the time. And I'm like, why don't you guys teach this? This would get kids <laughs> interested. People would pay attention. Yeah. It, it is. It, it, there needs to be, like you said, that that jolt that goes through people, like you had, and maybe you yeah. can provide that for people. Because, I mean, I, I can't remember like a PSR class or a Sunday school class where I was like, that's, that's great. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, it was just the same stuff repeated over and over and over. But I think with, you know, your point of view, you could really attract a lot of people and, and, you know, build something up. Have you considered doing anything like that?
2: I don't know if I could find a big enough church that would be edgy enough to let me do it. Uh, (laughs) Sure, That's fair. Um, yeah it's i could i could create like youtube things and i have kind of started on it but that stuff is so it takes a lot of time doing those youtube videos and stuff man um i got the camastasia software and and i i have like maybe four or five different videos that are in edit mode Mm -hmm. so i've only put like a couple of stories out there i think i put the, the ball of light story and And other stuff, but they that 's why with the interviews like this are really good, and I put them on my website and then so th- there's at least content there, sure that if you had a youth pastor who was edgy enough, he could at least go there and then play like those things, you yeah, know? so this video would be there that would be cool that
0: would be awesome yeah i mean i I, yeah. I just think that you know i mean my kids my my oldest daughter's out of p s r now but my younger one is still in there, and it's just like. A fight every Wednesday night. Yes, you still have to go tonight. Yes, you still. Yes, you're going to continue to go. I, (laughs) I understand that it's not something you love to do, but that's a shame. You know, it's a shame that people aren't excited about that, and and you kind of bring that. So,
2: well, another another strike kind of against me is that some of the stuff I talk about is kind of creepy and scary Mm -hmm. um the antichrist i mean the the whole book is the strong delusion right Mm -hmm. is second thessalonians chapter two talking about the antichrist and 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 i was kind of getting to that earlier on like as soon as i started putting this alien connection together it occurred to me like well i always did kind of wonder how the antichrist was going to deceive so many people Mm -hmm. this is certainly up that alley yeah uh think about A messiah character who is sort of new agey. So he shows up descending from an alien spacecraft, saying he's Jesus. And then you find out that even the Quran talks about Jesus returning in the future, descending from the sky between the wings of two angels. And the Bible talks about someone called the false prophet Mm -hmm. who will be totally enamoring to the whole world. Mm -hmm. And he'll be somebody who can bridge the gap on all of these different religions so jesus was a jew that appeals to jews if if this muslim jesus shows up he'll say he's a muslim that'll appeal to muslims and then he will be jesus saying that he's jesus but that he didn't really rise from the dead he just didn't die and Uh, He'll go with what the Quran says about that, and that he's not really God uh, like they think he is. So, which John defined that as the doctrine of the Antichrist, actually. Anyone who says that Jesus did not come in the flesh and, you know, denies who he is, um, is the doctrine of the Antichrist, right? Um, Islam defines the Trinity as blasphemy and that's core to christianity so this whole religion is totally counter to christianity it defines christianity as satanic as demonic and christianity likewise you know and islam actually define you know these characters the antichrist and um the the um the false prophet they're in Quran, but guess what? You know you have these good guys and bad guys in both books, right? They talk about the two witnesses, they talk about the antichrist, talk about the false prophet, and all these bad guys in the Bible are good guys in the Quran, and vice versa. Hmm. So they swap the antagonists, and it's the same playbook. You could actually literally read it. Um, They see the one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse one of those guys is on a white horse. They think he's their savior. The guy who goes forth to conquering and to conquer. It's like, no, he's a bad guy. You didn't get the memo on that? (laughs) Uh, There's two white horsemen. There's two white horses in Revelation. One is the Lord of Lords, King of Kings. The other is not, patently not. He's one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Yeah. And they got it wrong. And you got this, this clown over in Turkey, Ergodan, even trying to get on a on his horse, trying to you know be this moddy character, right? And it, it's a total fiasco. They had this video on YouTube. The horse went nuts and threw him off, and <laughs> it's pretty Love funny. It. But uh, yeah, that guy he he, he kind of fancies himself as somebody who he thinks can reform the caliphate. But but honestly, that's what that book talks about, and it's kind of some scary stuff because there's things in there that are like, well, we we got some kind of Dark times ahead, right? A lot of beheadings, uh, a lot of killing, a lot of death and destruction, the wrath of God. But the flip side is there's miracles. Jesus talked about the greater works. Um, You read about these apostles, like Peter, walking down the street, his shadow would go over somebody and heal him. Uh, You know, the the those miracles didn't end with the apostles. Um, there's Fox's book of martyrs. Uh, if you get a book, DC talks, this really thick book, and it goes through this huge thing of church history, all these miracles, just insane stuff. There was this one monk that he, when he would pray, there were instances where he literally floated up off the ground and levitated and flew through the entire town. And all these people see this dude praying flying by (laughs) and he'd fly into the church and up to the altar, you know? That's awesome. Uh, Saint Francis, he preached to the birds, and, and these people were like, Those birds are listening to him. <laughs> Check him out. Wild bird coming up, land on his shoulder, and he'd go out and he'd preach these sermons, and all these birds would show up. And they would be listening to him. And he would tell them, These birds have accepted Jesus. And, you know, I, I'm like tripping on it. You know, I, I'm like, that's awesome. <laughs> the animal kingdom knows, you know, they know. Yeah, So And I'm reading all these stories, and I'm like, that's the kind of stuff we're going to be seeing, too. Just this insane stuff, you know? Um, Elijah, uh, when he was on the run from Jezebel, wanting to kill him, and he had to go off in the forest, off the grid, right? And God said, that's okay, I'll take care of you. I'll send some birds to feed you. As these birds show up, they're feeding him, you know, giving him all this food. And it's like, wow, that's That's cool, man. Yeah. And, you know, and then he goes to this widow and her kid, uh, Elijah did, and she's like, yeah, we're going to starve, you know, uh, but we'll take you in and we'll we'll give you what we have, you know, we'll give Mm -hmm. anyway, even though we're looking at starvation. And she pulled this tiny little bit out of a jar and then it's like, huh, could have swore that was empty. And take a little bit, it's like, take what you need, leave just a little bit. Next day, huh. I thought we used all that. <laughs> years go by, <laughs> scraping out of the same jar, and they were so you know kept alive for like three years. You know, so we're going to see those kind of things too, and that's going to be countering. Yeah.
0: Before we get too far away from it, uh, we're talking about the Antichrist. Do you? So we we talked about that with a lot of guests and and it's something we kind of save for the end a lot of times but um mm-hmm. we I don't know who Ryan decided he thought may be the antichrist but we were kind of uh kicking around the idea of Elon Musk because and I don't know what his religion is I don't know anything about that I just know that Well, he's working on Neuralink, where you'll be able to make blind people see, right? And he's going to bring us free energy, and he's going to bring freedom of speech back to everybody. And Yeah, it kind
1: of works well into that idea of it's somebody that the world is enamored with and who appears to be doing all these things that are wonderful, or even in some cases, almost miraculous.
0: And we'll find out a little bit more about that after a quick break.
2: No one can do it better.
0: Welcome back, Crypt Keepers.
2: Okay, so, in the book I wrote, uh almost 20 years ago, Aliens and the Antichrist, and then I rewrote it again. Second edition is called Christian UFOlogy. Um, so all of those prophecies of Daniel, basically, they're regional. And he's actually telling you, these these animals, you know, the Grecian Empire, he's telling you where the Antichrist is going to come from. That's what these prophecies are for. Okay. Right? And they also intersect with Revelation. John wrote Revelation, which is the New Testament version of the Book of Daniel, basically. Okay. Pretty close to it. They talk about a lot of the same things. But he talks about the Grecian Empire. Um, the Antichrist will come from the Grecian Empire. And there was a type of Antichrist that came from that. And Antichrist has been trying to get into this world, and he keeps trying and keeps trying and keeps trying. Um, there were types of Antichrists. He was an Antichrist type. And the Bible literally says there's more than one. It uses the word S there, right? There's Antichrists, right? And so Antiochus Epiphany, he was an Antichrist. Hitler was an Antichrist, right? He's the most recent one that we could kind of like point to. Okay. Um, These guys, you know, anyway, um, he narrows it down. First he starts with the Babylonian Empire. Then he goes to the Grecian Empire. Then he goes to the Roman Empire, and these all intersect, right? Except not exactly. Like the, the the Grecian Empire is over here to the east, the Roman Empire is over here, right? And they only intersect on a couple of countries, right? right. So he's literally narrowing down with each of these prophets. He, he's going to be from from the one of these four kings of the Grecian Empire. You know, it's coming out of that. Okay. Oh, it's going to come out of the Roman Empire. One of those ten kings, right? None of them are America, you know. This is all around the Mediterranean. And the area that he narrows down is either Syria or Lebanon, right around there. And it's called a small horn in uh in Revelation. So it might be, it might be Lebanon, but both of them are kind of relatively small countries yeah. uh, compared to the countries around them. Uh, But Isaiah kind of nails it too. He says he refers to him as the Assyrian. He literally calls the Antichrist the Assyrian. So we could kind of bet that he's going to come from that country. And what do we see in there now? You you got uh, ISIS operating out of that country. Mm -hmm. They have a stronghold and they're connected with Iran.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: Where's all the hotbed stuff going on right now? Right, right, yeah. Terrorism isn't going away. It's only going to get more severe. And then you got this very weird, uh, people literally sympathizing with terrorists. Yeah, and I, I I don't comprehend it. I can't grasp it. But the only explanation to that I could really think is that this has to be something to do with the Antichrist. His power is so strong here now. It's almost like Saron, right? How it's just growing It's this darkness it's just growing right it's spreading and these people that you wouldn't expect start acting in you know defending people that you wouldn't understand it's like I don't get it and um, I do think though
0: that there's part of the problem with all of the stuff going on in in Israel right now is that people don't believe what they hear um yeah. Or they believe news false things that yeah. they hear. Yeah. Um, and I hear people say that uh, they're killing kids, both sides. And nobody can be okay with that. But you have to defend yourself too. Yeah.
2: It's pretty hard to go to war with somebody who has zero respect for any kind of laws of war. Yeah, any. yeah, yeah. Human shields is the lowest of the low. How do you fight that without casualties? How? Yeah. I mean, somebody comes to your house with a gun and they have their kid, you know, and they're holding their kid like a shield, but they're they're coming in to attack your family. What do you do? That's that's the parable we're looking at. Yeah. And it's a mess. It's it's the antichrist, that kind of spirit. Is going on. And that is the area. That's the epicenter of that. That kind of violence.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: That's why I say he Elon, I don't trust him a hundred percent either, but I don't think he's the antichrist. I believe and the Bible also talks too about a king from the north and a king from the south, two heads of the same beast. Mm-hmm. And one attacks the other, so there's like this sort of false flag thing going on, even though they're still sort of the same side. That, to me, kind of like points to Sunni and Shiite. Right. Uh, Shiite believe in the Mahdi. The Sunni kind of don't. They both believe Jesus is coming back, but the Shiites are the more radical. They're the ones in Iran, right, and also in Syria and they're ISIS and stuff, right? Uh, And then there's all these hybrids that are kind of a mishmash, you know? But generally speaking, when it comes to those end-time prophecies, that's the Shiite. And they're all into that, and they're waiting for this Mahdi. And their book talks about this character called the Dajjal, who's supposed to be this really easy-to-identify dude who's got this eye kind of popped out like a grape. (laughs) It says that. And, and that uh, this dude from the north, their savior, their Mahdi, is going to take this dude from the south out. So it sounds like these two Muslim factions going to war against each other. And it literally says, it's talking about Egypt. Where's Gaza? It's on the border. Right. Right there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think we're very close, honestly, because all of this hotbed of activity is going on right now. And it's going to keep going. It's not going to simmer down. and you got this king in the north. I, I'm just waiting any day, from like somebody, from, you know, the guy from Turkey or you know some some Islamic dude with a lot of power in the north is going to go down and womp down on this psychotic terrorist stuff, and he's going to look like their savior. Mm, yeah, he's going to be just as bad. Yeah, he'll just be having a lot nicer presentation. Right, and he is going to have this. Jesus character showing up and he's going to be this this going to be this otherworldly alliance. Uh the Bible actually talks about battles in the heavens, right? In the end times. This is going to be some crazy stuff. Yeah. We're already seeing it now. You know, UAPs. Now they got another word for UFO right. just to try to make it legit so you don't sound like you're stupid. <laughs> uh, the same thing, you know, yeah. UFOs. So Daniel talks about, you know, the heavens will be shaken. The powers of the stars will be thrown down to the ground. Talks about it in Revelation. So there's otherworldly alliances. And we already know this. All the people in the UFO lore all know this. And if you've seen uh, speeches from Farrakhan, he talks about this thing called the mother mother plane, the mothership. He actually had visions of this just fantastic, huge spaceship type thing full of all kinds of weapons. And this is Farrakhan. I don't know if you know who he is. but Oh, yeah huge in the Islamic community, Mm -hmm. and he's talking about some sort of otherworldly alliances. So there's going to be these otherworldly powers, and there's even this trippy stuff that talks about um, these two dudes that are going to be flying around in this thing. It's like a magic carpet, they're calling it in in the Quran, or in the Hadiths too. And these guys are going to be like totally leveling entire cities they are going to be really powerful. And then all these people will come out and be delivered by these guys, right? Mm-hmm. And the Quran and the Hadith talk about these two dudes like they're bad guys. But honestly, it sounds like they're the two witnesses. Yeah. Because I, I did this analysis of them, and I'm pulling out all these things. When they speak, the fire will come out of their mouth. They can control the weather. They can, you know, who did that? Uh, Elijah did that, right? So the two witnesses are, you know, Elijah and Moses right because elijah was taken away he never physically died right he's going to come back so it's either elijah and moses or elijah and, and enoch but most likely moses those were the two that met with jesus on the mount of transfiguration and so or moses did and uh yeah it was uh, elijah so i think they're going to come back but people are not going to be expecting them in a spaceship mm-hmm. yeah but i th- i i think they might be in a spaceship and who's going to be arguing when they're there to save you and you know you you could kind of debate you know i don't think that's right i think i'm going to go back and get my head chopped off by a machete i don't think so i think they're going to be like okay this is not what i was expecting but let's roll with it you know and they're going to get out of there uh i honestly think that angels are affiliated with these these extraterrestrial craft and that there's going to be interaction and all over the world with some of these things coming in and getting people out of difficult situations. You it talks about um the Jews on the run, right? And and uh the dragons after him, but then the earth opens up and he sends a flood, and then the earth opens up and sucks up all the water, right? So, what is all that about? Uh that's like earthquake technology. Okay, there's a flood, let's tear open the ground and swallow that lake you know, that that rushing torrent of Mm -hmm. flood water. Um, So there's going to be some crazy stuff, just insane stuff. But I mean, it's happening now. Euphrates is drying up. Did you read about that?
0: Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, all
2: (laughs) all this stuff. Well, Um, yeah.
0: So where do you stand then on Project Bluebeam, where the powers that be are going to create this, False return of Jesus in order to unite everybody in the world, which I I, I know that sounds weird. I, I see you looking like, no, oh, I've heard it. but uh,
2: I've heard it. I actually know about the technology. Okay. Uh, I, I heard it from a colonel like 20 years ago. Oh,
0: can you tell us about it or can you not?
2: Uh, he said back then they had technology that they could make it look like Jesus or Muhammad are walking across the desert. Wow. They could shoot it from a satellite. Huh. <sighs> Uh, so yes, I think it's possible, but I think that there really will be an otherworldly being coming here. Sure, if they sure. could pull off the real thing, it might even freak out the people that have all this <laughs> fake stuff set up. They'd be like, Whoa, you know, that's oh, almost good. like the, the magicians when they're trying to, you know, tell, tell, uh, Pharaoh, okay, yeah, we can make this stick turn into a snake. Sure, that's, anybody could do that. But then Moses ate theirs. They're like, whoa, his is real. Yeah, <laughs> They probably had some kind of sleight of hand thing, you know. And you're like, whoa, whoa, he really did it. So, you know, there really is a planet out there. And there really is this person that's going to look like Jesus. He may even have a lot of authority. He may be king of some planet out there a very powerful dude and he could show up here and he could pretend that he's jesus but he won't be and here's the weird thing the real jesus he does have a throne and he is out there on this glorified planet and he is ruling and reigning so it will be so close to the truth everything in your gut will say i know there's something right about this Mm -hmm because those are the best lies the ones that are 95% true and all the stuff is lining up and you're like you I know it I know it's true I know it's true and then the dude starts doing things that are questionable and you're like wait a minute how you know I I thought you know the, the what's his name that he speaks like a lamb right he'll he'll have he'll be like a lamb but he'll speak like a dragon right that is the false prophet okay somebody that will show up and he'll be like so glorious so so amazing just to look at him you'd be totally enamored he talks he's got this like parable way of talking about him the mystical and just amazing way to speak and to hold a crowd and yet the things that he's saying are going to end up becoming Extremely violent. Hmm. And there's gonna be a transition and, and part of you is gonna be like, Well, I know that I know that there's truth there. That that's the devil. He used he lies with the truth. Right. He's really good at lying with the truth. When he told Adam and Eve, When you eat from that, you ain't gonna die. They ate from it, did they die right away? No. So part hmm. of it seemed true, and, and, and then he was like When you eat from that, you're going to be smart like God. You're going to know good and evil, something that you don't even understand right now. Was that true? Yeah. Were they supposed to eat from that tree? No. Period. Right. They don't want to go get into a debate with the devil. He'll win every time. Uh, Just got to shut it down and walk away. Uh, And that's what this guy's going to be like. Um, He'll mimic Jesus. They would try to trick Jesus. They tried to trap him in a, in a right. you know, uh, oh, let's let's throw this conundrum at him and see how he gets out of this one. And then he would just totally every time, oh, here, right. here you go. You know, oh, should you pay taxes? Hmm. You know, let me see a coin. Yeah, whose picture's on it? It's like Caesar. Give Caesar what's Caesar's. What is he talking about? Mm-hmm. It's like, you know what? All right. I'll pay the taxes peter go fish pull the coin out of the fish's mouth give it to him you know it's mm-hmm. like how do you argue with that you know it's like oh or or what's easier to tell a person their sins are forgiven or to tell this guy get up and walk guy gets up and walks away the crippled dude all his life yeah suddenly healed yeah you can't argue with that yeah. and this dude will be like that in in a lot of ways he'll have like these false miracles you know, uh, powers, you'll mm-hmm. be able to call fire down from the sky and stuff. Of course, that's probably spaceships and stuff flying around out there. Um,
0: can demons, Satan, the devil, however you want to describe them. Can they endow someone with gifts like God can? Like we see, okay. You talk about an athlete, just say Michael Jordan was gifted by God, right? Can, mm-hmm. can, can, the dark side do that as well and say, Hey, I'm going to give this guy the, the power of speech, you know, like you were talking about just being eloquent and being able to, uh, you know, persuade people and all that. Or is that something that
2: is like basically just only God can do that? First of all, anything we can do, he could do a lot more. So our ability to pick average Joe blow and use, everything at our unlimited to disposal to make this person what we want, Satan can do that and a lot more. I mean, we even have the ability of, like, mind control, and, you know, there's been people just do amazing, amazing things, make you think blue is red after a five-minute conversation. I mean, just insane stuff, right? So to to answer, people are born with gifts. People are born with strengths and weaknesses. Um, And some of those gifts could be spiritual, right? Balaam in the Old Testament. This guy was a prophet and he became a sorcerer. He used a God given ability to curse Israel. He tried, he wanted to. They paid him to go curse Israel. And it says the gods listened to him. So he literally had the ability to call down curses on people and their lives would just Mm destroy because he had power. He had supernatural power, and it was a God-given gift. I say it was a God-given gift because God used him. He was going to go curse Israel, and then God showed up talking to his donkey and all kind of crazy stuff and almost killed him. The angel was there with a sword, and his donkey saved his life. And then the God allowed the donkey to speak to him and said, Why are you beating me? I just saved your life from that angel standing there with a sword. And an idiot's arguing with a donkey. Who <laughs> argues with a donkey who just talked to you? Shrek. Does anybody <laughs> see that? I mean, good grief. So he finally gets it. He gets a clue. He's like, Okay, God is not happy with what I'm doing. What do you want me to do, God? And God says, I want you to go and bless Israel. So, if this guy was really a sorcerer and he was doing just evil and stuff and his power was satanic, I don't think God would have done that. God would have, you know, just killed him or whatever, right? But no, God used him as a conduit of his power and he blessed Israel. And then Balaam kept taking money. uh, So, that was his big crutch right there. People would pay him and he would go and do curses and do all this bad stuff. And eventually he died in a battle. Because God struck him down. God made sure he would die. And it says that in the book of Hebrews. That Balaam, because of his sorceries and because of his false teachings, he went bad. So this miraculous power, that's the difference between magic and miracles, right? Miracles is like God. right? You know, you're just doing what God wants you to do. And then when you want to harness that power and use it for your own selfish needs, that's when it becomes corrupted. Right, right? Right. So Satan can empower that. So if you have a gifting, and it's a God-given gifting, Satan will try to come after you and try to convince you to use this for yourself. Gotcha. And then if he could get you to go down that road far enough and then you're prospering from this in a bad way and then even doing bad things, giving people bad advice and stuff. I mean, there's this lady, she's a medium, famous medium, Jay-Z Knight goes around, you know, giving these lectures and stuff. And when this being... Rama or whatever he is, possesses her. She literally grows like two inches in height. And she changes her voice and stuff, and it's very convincing that something just possessed her. And this being that possessed her convinced her to leave her husband and go marry this other guy. So right off the bat, you know, uh, if you're Christian, you know just a basic Bible 101, 101, you know that, okay, that advice is bad. Right. You know, and her reasons for dumping her husband was just lame. <laughs> if you read the book that she wrote. So there's there's all kinds of examples of this. And you get these people that they have these God-given gifts. And, um, you know, they're like anybody. They struggle with, you know, sin and trying to control it or whatever. But then maybe they don't. Maybe they just throw in the towel and they just and try embrace to embrace it as their gifts. And, and everything is a gift in, in a way. That's true. Um just your natural intelligence is a gift, right? Yeah, yeah, Your Your charisma. Hitler was an incredibly gifted man, mm-hmm. very intelligent, very persuasive, and he used all of that to do incredible evil, and he convinced an entire nation to go along with it until everybody was so far gone they had no idea what they just did, and they were so ashamed of themselves. They're even still dealing with it now. I mean that's hard yeah so that, that's that's intelligence but there's other kinds of gifts that people have you know i, I think that some a lot of gifts that god gives they're, they're um no strings attached gifts yeah uh there might be gifts of healing that are like no strings attached mm-hmm. and so people will even be in the wrong religion you know but have a gift like that and um uh, you know is that satanic well depends on where they go with it and how far they go with it and you know how much kind of influence that they're going to use with it to mislead people. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah. That's kind of a complex question because there's a lot of a lot of variables involved with it but um and then then there's the technology that Satan has access to too so he could give that to anybody. Right. Know? Uh he could assign demons to follow somebody around and do things for them. Sure. Right? or even fallen angels, so he could make somebody incredibly powerful. So the Antichrist himself will be possessed, probably by that Prince of Persia, but um, it calls him the destroyer, Abaddon, mm-hmm. and it's this demonic thing will possess him, uh, and he'll be incredibly powerful. He'll have the ability. Well, it talks about how he'll make fire come down from the sky. That could be technology. Yeah, uh, But... He'll be able to do signs and wonders, it says. So angels themselves are supernatural beings imbued with power. Mm-hmm. And even the fallen angels still have some of that glory left in them right. to be able to do supernatural things. Uh, not as powerful, but... So, so, like, here's an interesting one. Okay. Ezekiel 14, and, or no, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14 talk about Satan before he fell mm-hmm. from power from glory that he used to be named lucifer and he walked amidst the stones of god or or the the stones of fire he walked amidst the stones of fire in the garden of god so he was literally on earth in a garden of eden before adam and eve before the world before human and before humanity okay he was a king of this planet um and he walked amidst the stones of fire so I'm like contemplating what is this what is the stones of fire it's significant because when he fell from glory God said I'm not going to let you walk amidst the stones of fire anymore so what would be significant enough do you think it's a garden with some glowing petal pebbles on the ground I seriously doubt it I think the stones of fire were solar systems oh entire worlds wow among the cosmos because when he fell from glory he no longer had free access to go Uh. throughout the cosmos and deceive all of his minions like he did, because when he had his rebellion, it says that he ascended up into the clouds and over into the sides of the North to invade heaven. So he was literally on this planet where he had an angelic civilization before humanity. He riled up this entire planet in his rebellion. And then he had all these other worldly connections on other planets making trips amidst the stones of fire to assemble this massive rebellion. One-third of the angels. If you if you take Revelation where it talks about the dragon dragging a third of the stars from the sky. So just say he assembled a third of the angels in this rebellion, and they all went to attack the first heaven, God's throne. God just, he didn't even do it. God said, Michael, take care of it. <laughs> take,
0: take care of my light that. work.
2: <laughs> yeah you know that's little stuff. He could've just spoke and oh, they no longer exist, but he didn't want to just wipe it out by brute force. He wants to deal with the heart because, okay, Satan appealed to all of these people, and they rejected God, so you know this is God wanting to purify, not you know purify all of creation, right. and that's not a brute force activity. that's I have to do something personal that's going to hurt me to take care of this and that's why he became a human set aside all of his power and allowed himself to be killed to deal with it yeah so he could lead by example like you want to stop the violence you have to be willing to take a hit yeah and did he take a hit and so that's 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 what happened and satan when he fell from glory was no longer allowed to walk amidst the stones of fire i think that his access into the cosmos was like Cut off. But he still had contacts that probably came here. Oh they weren't necessarily cut off from him. That's a good point. So he still may have had his influences, and one of them was powerful. And he says, Look, I think you have the right stuff to pull off this Jesus stunt. And I'll grant you many worlds. And uh you'll be my right hand man if you help me out with this deception up in the future. You know, to him he doesn't consider it a deception. Um but a continuation of his rebellion um, even though he lost big time and he knows his time is short but how deceived is satan does he actually think he's going to win um, i honestly don't know he probably has days where maybe he thinks he does he might
0: so this is something we have brought up before too um, is there any hope for these fallen angels can they repent can they be forgiven and ever be accepted into heaven and we'll find out a little bit more about that after a quick break welcome back crypt keepers
2: fallen angels i don't think so Uh, i think they went too far
0: that's what our um, other guests have said too. There's, there's no going back.
2: They're, yeah, they're reserved in eternal chains, you know, in, in darkness. And there's a prison for them,
1: mm-hmm.
2: um, and they will be thrown into the lake of fire and wiped out. Um, and then, of course, there's this, there's a scripture in Isaiah that talks about the Nephilim specifically, saying that they will not have a salvation. That they will not have. They will not rise again. But I think that that might have been talking about the Nephilim before the flood. Um, Because Nephilim, I believe that they existed in Satan's ancient kingdom too. So consider this, before humanity ever existed. <laughs> um, You had Adam and Eve. Satan was probably the first Adam, honestly. He probably was created like Adam. Mm-hmm. And he had a wife created, Lilith. I don't know, just throw a name out there. Mm-hmm. They had... Children, they populated the planet. They were around for thousands, maybe millions, maybe billions of years. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I I actually believe in old Earth theory, but I don't believe in evolution. So I found enough to actually support that. And so they had this entire civilization. Around a thousand year mark, they start translating the angels. So you have this two part society. You have these beings that are like Adam and Eve, eating from the tree of life to stay alive. They're glorified. They're they're sinless beings, Mm -hmm. but they can have kids. They can reproduce. They have families. Big, big families. I mean, imagine. You don't die. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, So they lived like this for a long time and populated this planet out. And some of them started translating to angels. Lucifer translated to an angel. So he became this non-reproductive being. But then... When he just got so full of himself, he started rebelling against God and convincing some of the other angels to rebel. They probably decided, let's go back and do that sex stuff again. And then they start mating with those that are like Adam and Eve, deceiving some of them. Initiate the curse back then. And that's our fossil record. That's why we have Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal, which are probably like the same species. But they're mutated. The Neanderthal is the older ones, the one that got cursed with mortality and then lived for like a 1,000 years. Your head literally changes when you get older. Your brow gets thicker and your jaw grows out. And uh, there was uh, this uh, orthodontist that actually did a study on Mm -hmm. that of Neanderthal skulls, and he came to the conclusion that the average Neanderthal was 500 years old. Wow. They just looked like a regular human, but they lived so long. They got shorter bones thicker they had more calcium in the earth back then um jaw kind of came out brow thickened up but they were human and both neanderthal and Cro-Magnon had a cranial capacity 10 percent larger than our own so you had this other species of humanity that existed on this planet they were part of satan's kingdom and some of them sinned and they got really old so those that died when they were younger they're like the neanderthal they're more normal looking the ones that were like really old uh those are like the neanderthals right so they're still puzzled over what happened to the neanderthal well the cro magnum must have killed them well there's no evidence of that i think that they were probably the same Uh, i think you just blew my mind
0: with this theory i have never heard anybody bring that up before (laughs) that's incredible i i love
2: that yeah i i talk about that in the book um Christian ufology and I might have mentioned it in the strong delusion. But so you had this whole civilization here. They went to war against God and then they lost, right? But they had Nephilim probably on the planet back then. So they were messing around with this too. Mm-hmm. You had angels crossing with their human their mortal counterparts, creating these Nephilim hybrid, and then monkeying around with that, but then they got totally wiped out. Earth was trashed. Um Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. That's the original creation. In Genesis 1, 2, look at those Hebrew words. The earth became void and without form. The word became is an active word. It's something that happened. Mm -hmm. Void is tohu, which means a destructive act. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Done. Entire universe created Earth created, everything done, existed for how many millions, maybe billions of years. And then suddenly something happened and God wiped out the planet. And it talks about the waters. So there was a flood then too. Mm -hmm. There's actually two floods in scripture. One is in the beginning when God destroyed the earth. He destroyed Satan's kingdom and he wiped out all the survivors. There were no survivors. Done. Wiped them all out. So some of those fallen angels might have escaped the planet, uh, but the planet was. Done. Right. And then God created the earth. So Genesis two, one, verse one, or chapter one, verse two through chapter two, verse twenty-five is the recreation of the earth to a habitable state. You can actually look at the words where it says he set the stars in the sky. Mm-hmm. It's actually this entire solar system got thrown into a blender and it was total darkness on this planet. And that portion of scripture in Genesis one and two is God cleaning up the mess and there was civilizations on other planets what you see on the moon what you see on mars there were civilizations there those were part of satan's kingdom earth wasn't his only kingdom
1: Mm -hmm.
2: i even talk about the asteroid belt which was most likely a planet so richard hoagland talked about that he called it the exploded planet hypothesis they said that there was another planet out there called estera and uh the asteroid belt they say is there because the those chunks of debris never accumulated to become a planet so it's the failed you know failed accretion theory but another theory is that there was a planet and it blew up yeah and chunks of that planet hit the moon hit the earth there's a crater to prove it wiped out everything and it and it was a cataclysm that destroyed satan's kingdom and also hit the civilization on mars wiped out it was a destruction so massive that it wiped out all life in this entire solar system Uh, i think they even set up one of those other planets jupiter or saturn i'm not sure which one um jupiter's a gas giant i think right but um if there was a maybe venus okay look at venus did you know okay here's the sun right and Venus is going around the sun like this, right
1: mm-hmm.
2: and you've seen the the ring around or the the ring around Saturn right I'm talking about Saturn
1: mm-hmm.
2: now, when a planet is going around the sun, you would think the ring on Saturn would be like this, right if it's spinning like this that that ring is going to be a line like this, pointing to the sun right mm-hmm. It's not it's perpendicular, hmm. The sun is right here. The ring is like sideways like this Mm -hmm. going around the sun like that. Hmm. Something literally spun it 90 degrees. Yeah. Something had to hit that planet so hard that it went 90 degrees. And now that ring, it's going around like this when the sun's over here. It's perpendicular. It's really weird. It is weird. So people have noted that. Uh, ring around saturn just being totally counterintuitive Um, but yeah the the entire solar system was wiped out in that in that uh, destruction and then god recreated everything to a habitable state and there's so many words that talk about that in scripture it's all over the place really subtle like when he told adam and eve go and replenish the earth replenish why would you say replenish yeah. are you saying that there was something here before yes that's exactly what he's saying that's a good point. and you know the garden of eden you know it said in isaiah 14 that this the lucifer walked through the garden of god well he was a king he he had to have subjects right i mean he he ruled this planet and then His entire kingdom got wiped out. You're not going to be a king by yourself. You have all these (laughs) subjects and stuff. You got this entire kingdom, and it got wiped out. Talks about in Jeremiah, too, the destruction, right? There were no survivors in that. Mm -hmm. And then God recreated the planet, and then he recreated the Garden of Eden. And you always wonder, like, why did God let Satan go into the Garden of Eden? Why did he let that snake? Why did he let him go and manipulate that snake to talk to Adam? It's because this was his world. He lived here to begin with. And the significance of this planet, it's more than just okay, God created humanity in his image, right? You know, God's going to put his, his uh capital here. Why? It's because this is where the rebellion started. That's what makes this planet significant in all of the cosmos. Why are all these beings coming here? Why would God become a human being, the creator of all creation? Why would he come to this planet to initiate? his strike back, his counter-strike to the rebellion in the cosmos and all creation since ancient times, since before humanity existed. It's because the rebellion started here. So he came here at the epicenter of the rebellion, became a human being, died on the cross, defeated Satan on his own turf, and then he's going to come back again in the Battle of Armageddon. He's going to kick his ass, pardon the language, (laughs) And then he's going to bring his capital and he's going to move it here and plant it on this earth and grace us with that level of glory and honor because we went through a lot you know this planet has been through a lot i mean satan started his rebellion here god's ending it here and then he's going to end it with a cherry on top by putting his capital here so it's really totally kind of a cool story when you see the huge picture of it.
0: Yeah, that, that seems like a great place to wrap it up for tonight. We're we, we are running up on about two hours here. Um, is there any final thoughts that you want to wrap things up with and you can tell people again where they can find your stuff?
2: Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm always open to email. People can email me. Jay Myler It's the same as my last name, just a J J jmyler at yahoo.com. And uh, my email's on my website. So I just put myself out there. Anybody wants to, you know, ping me about anything, uh, I give my books away for free. If somebody wants to give me a free, um, you know, if somebody wants to give me a, a review on Amazon, you know, honor system, I'll email you copies of my books, whatever ones you want to yeah. give me a review. I, you know, hopefully you get it, get that out of it. And, uh, but, uh, you know, the point is, You know, sharing the message, right? uh, Preparing Christians for what's coming, and getting people who are on the fence or maybe don't know that the Bible is so magnificently mysterious and has so many things in it that they probably just didn't even imagine it. Um, There's something there for you, you know. There's a God actually who loves you, and that's that's just the best message of all, you know. That God actually loves us. There's there's a reason we were created. You know, it, it's not just an accident, right? And so that message is always there, and uh, I'm I'm just open to anybody who wants to talk about it. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, we didn't get to a lot of the stuff I thought we were going to get to, so we'd love to have you back on sometime if you'd be open to that. Oh yeah, yeah. Even after okay. all
1: this, it feels like we barely scratched the surface. I
2: know. Oh yeah, compile a list <laughs> of questions. Yeah. Because uh, normally I come in, I have, a, I have some questions. They ask me for some questions, and I submit some questions. And I had some stuff on the side here, but I kind of remember enough of the content to just kind of go off the cuff sometimes. So
0: the that's all we've got for you tonight on Cryptique. Ryan, tell them what they need to know
1: share rate subscribe whatever you want to do to interact with us to help show the algorithm that this is a decent show and more people should hear it or see it depending on how you're viewing it or listening and you can get in touch with us as always with your recommendations or suggestions or critiques of cryptique at cryptic at gmail.com
0: And remember, the appearance of UFOs challenges us to expand our understanding of God's creation and consider the possibility of life beyond our planet. It doesn't diminish the divine. It expands our perceptions of the Creator's vastness. Good evening, Crypt Keepers. Boom. Boom. Boom.